Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? In New York, I'm in rock. Hiding in my socks. Running from a up. And I shoot that up. And I'm on the block. Hey now. Midlife Surfer Podcast listener, how the heck are you? Thank you for joining me. Pouring myself a cup of coffee right now. It's a beautiful day. Ah, it's not, well, it is, every day is a beautiful day in Santa Cruz, but really it's, um, it's kind of cloudy, a little chilly. Ah, excuse me, I'm hydrating up for this pod. It's a little chilly <clears throat> for July, overcast, probably low 60s. Nary a wave. Not a single wave in town right now. I got Matt Violos giving me a review of the smooth operator board, which I just paused on my laptop. You know, real water sports, I've never been there. I just know them from the internet. If you've uh, geeked out on surfboards, likely you've looked at real water sports reviews. Check out real water sports. The owner of the company or the principal or their front man, whoever it is, Trip Foreman, he gives great board reviews. So you could look up like Werner products, uh, like I said, Lost. Um, he gives these really nice in-studio reviews of surfboards. So if you're ever just uh, scrolling on your phone looking to get your board fixed or learn about a surfboard you have interest in, definitely uh, check out Trip Foreman and Real Water Sports or something like that out of Florida. Florida. Remember Flo Rida? Apple bottom jeans. I think Flo Rida actually played hoops at UNLV. I think I heard him say that years ago on Howard Stern. Have you been surfing lately? Do you have absolutely no waves like we do here in Santa Cruz? I mean, no waves. When you say the word waves, do you say waves? Anyway. Hey, um... I have been surfing. I went longboarding last three or four sessions. My buddy Geldy, he's a good man. Nice to reconnect with him. You ever like go surfing with a friend for years, then for whatever reason, you just don't surf with him that much anymore. Life happens. You know, he's got kids, I got kids, blah, blah, blah. Lives on the other side of town. Surf with other people. And then just uh, most recently, I hadn't surfed with him probably about two years. Most recently, I reconnected with him. He's a good longboarder too. He steps so well, forwards and backwards. So, um, I've kind of been on a longboarding kick. I'd love to be able to learn to nose ride. Yeah, nose ride. You know, it looks so easy. You take that drop, stomp on that tail to slow down, and as your board slowly rises up the face of the wave, you take your nice, light, graceful steps forward. The wave is now crashing over your tail with soft edges as discussed by Michelle Junot in a couple of episodes ago. And you're counter-levering, and all you got to do is step up to that nose, you know? Just toes on the nose, bro. 
and bust a fat nose ride. But let me tell you, it is so much harder than it looks. And if you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So anyway, I can step forward. I'm pretty sure I know when to do it. Um, not by feel, uh, intellectually, I understand when the appropriate time is to step. And then definitely you'll know when the time is to step backwards. Stepping backwards is uh, much harder than stepping forwards for me. Is it four words or forward? I think it's forward. Stepping backward is much more difficult than stepping forward. Um, I want to practice it. I made a little balance beam out of a couple pieces of wood a couple years ago in my backyard, but it's not that fun to do. I'm really not good at it. I've been looking at that goof board. You ever use a balance trainer? This goof board, it's like the Indo board, except the Indo board, how do I say this? The Indo board is a balance trainer where your board is perpendicular with the roller. You know, they're crisscrossed. So the roller is going north to south between your legs. And then you're kind of wobbling left, right, left side, right side, left side, right side. And, you know, there's some really good shredders on an Indo board. The goof board is the roller is parallel with the board, meaning now, you know, you're, uh, you can fly forward or back. It's parallel with the board, so you're tipping left to right, rail to rail. And I see people practicing cross-stepping on that. It looks like a nice trainer <clears throat> to learn how to cross-step. The only problem is it costs like 175 bucks, and all it is is a piece of wood and a plastic roller. So if I had any ingenuity to me, perhaps I'd make my own. And maybe I do, and maybe I will, dadgummit. The thing about longboarding is you got to take it slow. You know, I remember in Mexico on my carver, you know, you want to pop up and get pumping quick to get down the face of the wave. If you have that mindset, you'll damn near jump off your board trying to turn. <laughs> At least on my 910, I have a Juno Ron, regular old nose rider. And once you get up, you really have to just take a breath, relax, shift your weight to the tail, do a nice pivot turn. Then you start angling down the face of the wave. You start trimming, and that's when you're supposed to start walking. And I try to do that. I'll either eat shit or I'll not walk at all and just try to finish the wave to its completion, which is another practice in and of itself that I recommend doing if you're a surfer at my level. Oftentimes I get caught up in cross-stepping or I'm going to do a roundhouse cutback. You know, I want to do a top turn. But really, stay low. Try to ride the wave to its completion. And the moves will work themselves out. You'll find yourself accidentally doing a floater <laughs> or cutting back into the curl, you know, just to stay alive on the wave. Whereas, you know, for instance, on this uh, nose rider I take out occasionally, I'll pop up, I'll stall the tail, and I'll try to walk forward. And sure, I may take a step forward, and then I'll try to step back, and then whoop, up the board I go. I did go leafless last two or three times, which feels kind of cool. And I didn't kill anybody. And there is a difference. And the reason I went leashless is because it was low tide. And I'm talking low tide. Like, you know, not only are there no waves, but now we're talking like negative foot, <laughs> which means rocks and kelp. So no leash means you don't have to tangle up with that kelp too often. But it does not save you from dinging your board on a rock or getting bucked off your board when your back fin hits a rock, which has which did happen to me twice within the last three sessions I've taken this thing out because I can only get out when I can get out, you know, 5.30 in the morning, 6 in the morning. My wife wakes up. we got to get the kids ready. i got to go to work. You know, I'm usually back in my car by 7, 7.30, hustle back home, 
help get the kids off and get after it. So it really doesn't matter to me what the waves are doing and when. When's the optimal tide? When are the optimal winds? If you surf that way, God bless you. I want your life. My goal is in my 50s to maybe have enough of a nest egg to, uh, to maybe be able to operate that way. But I certainly am not in that position now. So I go when I can go. And that's when the sun rises at the crack ass of dawn. 4.45, wake up, baby. Get up, stretch, pound that coffee, get that wetsuit on. You put the wetsuit on before you take off, I find it a lot easier. You get that wetsuit on in the garage, then I drive to my destination. It's no more than a five, 10 minute drive. But yeah, I got bucked off my board twice. <clears throat> my big fin hit a rock. And uh, I sanded that down, a little wet sand, you know, 100 grit. Learned from a ding repair guy to go wet with your sandpaper. Start with 100 grit, work to 200, then 320. And uh, I keep a soaking wet piece of sandpaper handy uh, while I'm doing that. I dry it off and I'm as good as new again. But I did ding my longboard yesterday morning. I dinged the nose on the last wave I was taking in. And uh, I dropped it off to Midtown Surf Shop over in Santa Cruz. And I understand the glasser for Locust Surfboards. Check out Locust Surfboards. You're going to learn more about this guy, Tyler, at Locust. I have an interview scheduled with him, with him in a couple days. Another eco board builder. But um, their turnaround time is quick for ding repair. So if you're in Santa Cruz, Midtown Surf Shop, I believe they're on SoCal. And uh, support your local surf shop. They're a new one. And I just don't know how profitable a damn surf shop is, especially during this COVID age. Um, so any, uh, any business I could throw their way, I do. And their turnaround time is pretty quick. He said he'll have my board ready in a couple, couple days. What are the dimensions on my nose rider, you ask? Well, I'm glad you ask. It's huge. It's 910. It's 23 and a half wide. It's 3 and 3 sixteenths thick. That's almost 3 and 3 quarters for all you liberal arts majors. Or rather, three and a quarter. <laughs> yeah. So my goal is to nose ride on it. That's when I got that thing shaped about four years ago, and Michelle said, this would be the one to learn to nose ride on. And it's not Michelle's fault, but I haven't nose ridden it just yet properly. Good longboarding is something to behold. So I'm kind of in a longboard mode right now, and I need to figure out how to train better, you know? If you are listening and you're a good nose rider or a cross stepper, um, will you Instagram me at Midlife Surfer Podcast and just say, hey, this really helped me out. This is one little strategy I do. I've seen people say, you know, pick a line, just cross step, you know, 10 feet down the line and, and go backwards, you know, back step 10 feet, you know, back down that line. And that alone is good muscle memory to build. So I do that occasionally, but not consistently. What's new? Are you a WSL fan? I dig WSL. I like competitive surfing, especially fantasy competitive surfing. It's really fun when you have some money on the line. Gabriel Medina, he's the guy in the black hat. He's always the villain. He's, uh, he's my favorite. Anyway, um, Sean Doherty at Surfer Magazine wrote the following regarding a major announcement that the World Surf League had. They announced they'll, quote, be recalibrating their 2021 championship tour this season, starting it this year, 2020, in December at Pipeline for the men and at Honolulu in November for the women. That's this year. Fingers crossed, right? And finishing it with a one-day surf-off for the world title in September 2021. Somewhere. That spot is yet to be determined. 
I love the surf off concept. I like playoffs. One thing I don't like about Premier League, you know, soccer. I know I got some listeners out in England. It's anticlimactic to me. You know, I heard that, um, who just won it? Oh, them boys from Liverpool. They won it like three weeks ago, right? And so I know the rest is about placement in Championship League and who's going to get relegated. And I don't follow it close enough, although I do kind of keep a little bit of an eye on it. But I find that anticlimactic. One thing I like about American sports, probably because I benefited from it being a San Francisco Giants baseball fan. You know, they snuck in the playoffs in 2010. They got a wild card in 2012. I think they got the wild card again in 2014. They were not the best team in the league, but they got hot in the tournament and they won a championship. Fresno State baseball too, 2008, same thing. They were one of the last seeds, but they just got hot. They beat Arizona State. They beat, I think, Rice, North Carolina, and then finally Georgia in the College World Series. And it delivered a lot of moments of joy and surprise. So I like this concept with surfing. Um, And it really does still favor the top two seeds. So I think you take the top, if I understand correctly, and if I'm wrong, again, Jeff at MidlifeSurfer.com or MidlifeSurferPodcast on Instagram. But you start with the number five seed versus the number four seed. And these seeds were earned throughout the season. The winner of that takes on the number three seed. So number three has been waiting for the winner of four and five. And then the winner of that one, waiting in the wings, is seed number two. So now they're going to be facing either number five, four, or the number three seed. And then finally, the number one seed awaits the winner of that matchup. And I think it's like two out of three heats. There's a lot of surfing. If you're a five seed and you're, you made it to the top five and you're in this surf off, you're going to have to surf a lot, of, a lot of heats. And I've never surfed competitively, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. And uh, if I do surf, it's once a day. You know, I mean, one session a day, rather, out of a week. So I don't have that kind of stamina, but that's a lot of surfing. But I think it's going to make for some high drama. And uh, Lord willing, we, we kick coronavirus's ass or it goes away magically, as I've heard it should do any time now. And, uh, and we get to enjoy that surf off. Speaking of champions, the first Hawaiian champion, Derek Ho, 1993 world champ. I think it was called the ASP then. He passed away. And I'll, uh, I'll read another uh, article from Surfer Magazine here. After reportedly reportedly suffering a heart attack on Friday afternoon, North Shore icon Derek Ho passed away at just 55 years old. Ho was Hawaii's first world champion, a four-time triple crown champ, and a two-time pipeline master. Surfing achievements don't come any more prestigious than that. In addition to such incredible achievements, Ho will be remembered for much more than his success in a jersey. He'll be remembered for his big smile, his infectious energy, and his colorful stories, his mentoring of multiple generations, and maybe most importantly, his prowess at Pipeline for more than three decades. Derek Ho is the brother of Michael Ho. He's also the uncle of Mason Ho and Coco Ho. You know, if you're a surfer, well, really, I mean, in 1993, I was not following professional surfing. I was 12 years old. I was not surfing, so I'd be lying if I said I was a big Derek Ho fan, you know? I mean, I am a fan of his. I certainly went back in the archives, and I recommend you do the same. Uh, Chris Cody, 
of uh, WSL fame. Posted some highlights of him at Pipeline that are just uh, mental. Huge barrels. Just the guy knew what he was doing. Death-defying waves. But I'm more of a fan of Mason Ho and Coco Ho. You know, those Mason Ho edits on YouTube or maybe they're Vimeo, but they're what I think are the best surf edits out there right now. That and Torin Martin on a, on a mid-length. Those are my favorite videos to watch. We have a, a TV in our kitchen. Doesn't that sound tacky? It's not, though. It's kind of placed nice in the corner. Our little boys will watch while they eat lunch and stuff, whatever their stupid kid shows are. I don't know, Paw Patrol, uh, anything Beyblade related, Pokemon, you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'll mute it. I'll get the music on our Sono system, and I'll put on Mason Ho, and I'll just let those YouTube, uh, you know, Xfinity, our cable company has the YouTube app available, and it just auto-plays a bunch of cool surf films, so I recommend you do that, and you'll feel like you live in a surf shop. <laughs> it's nice, though, like on a Sunday, just run it all day. Walk in, oh, hey, there's, uh, there's Derek Ho at Pipeline, some vintage footage. So rest in peace, Derek Ho. Um, that is sad news. Timber Surf Co. Do you remember Ryan Lynch from Timber Surf Company a couple episodes ago? I got a 6'2 Mini Simmons coming. I think it's 22 wide and 3 inches thick. Probably in the high 4s. Leader-wise, probably 48 liters. Who am I kidding? You know, that's what I, would, that's what I need. You know, my quote-unquote shortboard is my 6'8 Michel Junot Carver, which is, uh, he doesn't do volume measurements, but by my uh, determination, it's about 43, 44 liters. That's my wheelhouse. So anyway, I have a beautiful spud, he calls it. It's basically a mini Simmons twin fin design being made as we speak. And um, it's with reclaimed lumber. It's with upcycled styrofoam. EPS is the technical term. And I'm stoked about that. He's a cool follow, too. Check him out at Timber Surf Co. He has a nice video up right now uh, where he strips a shitty wave storm. You know, one of those Costco boards? He strips it. And he uh, shaves the foam down. He sands it. And he shapes a spud out of that core. Then he makes a board out of it. He uses his eighth-inch redwood. And he's um, raffling it. The new term is upcycling. You know, I heard about recycling for many years, but now I notice the hot term is upcycling. That might be the year of, that might be the word of the year for 2020. I remember in 2016, the, the, the year that I heard more than I'd ever heard before than I've never heard again is pivot. You know, will, will Donald Trump pivot to more presidential delivery? Will Hillary Clinton pivot to the working class American? Anyway, pivot was the word during the election year. Not hearing that anymore, but I am hearing upcycling a lot. So he upcycles this craft. Craft is another word too that got hot. Handcrafted coffee. Handcrafted MacBook Pros. Handcrafted surfboards. So check him out. I, uh, I spent my 20 bucks on a raffle. I recommend you do the same. I bought a $20 raffle ticket. It's like a 410 spud or 411. It's really small. I don't think I'd ever really surf it, but I'd use it for my little boys if I won it. And um, so check him out, buy a raffle ticket, support a guy doing it the right way. At least watch his video. He's out of Santa Cruz. He's a cool dude. And check out my episode with him. You'll know exactly what I mean. What else? Cuff Daddy. Cuff Daddy. Google Cuff Daddy. Or I think it's CuffDaddy.com. Or write Cuff Daddy on Instagram. The guy makes cuff links. He's a listener. 
And God bless you, man. You sent me some cuffs. I put a picture, cufflinks rather. I put a picture of them on, uh, on my Instagram. They're little surfer dudes. I'm in a wedding coming up in September, Lord willing, if it happens. And I'm going to be wearing those damn things with my tuxedo. Got to be honest, don't wear a cufflink too, option, too, on, too often. I think I have a Banana Republic or two button-up shirts that will accommodate a cufflink, but it also has the button option. Um, but uh, they're beautiful cufflinks. And go check them out and check out Cuff Daddy. A better pod, podcast host would have done his research and told you specifically what that website is. I'm going to guess it's CuffDaddy.com. <laughs> or, again, go to Instagram search Cuff Daddy, you'll find it. The gentleman is out of Delaware. I believe his name is Mike, and he's a nice guy, and uh, he sent me a nice gift. So thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Mike also left a review. You can rate and review my podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Give me five stars or give me one star if you only think it's a one-star podcast. I don't care. But write a review, even if you think it's shitty. I have yet to get a bad review, so I need someone to hear this and say, this podcast sucks and I need a bad review because you're not legit until you start getting bad reviews too. Anyway, thank you, Mr. Cuff Daddy. Another podcast, I have not listened to it. I don't know if it's good, but I bet it is. The Instagram name is The Streak Podcast. I don't even know what it's about. I think it's about cycling. But The Streak Podcast is an Instagram handle that hit me up. The guy says he's out of Munich, Germany. He told me he's enjoying my podcast, which God bless you, Streak Podcast. I appreciate you listening. And I'm going to, um, if you do have such a podcast, and I assume you do based on your IG handle, I'm going to check it out. He recommended I look up a gentleman named Mark Allen, who was a triathlete in the 80s and spent a lot of time living and surfing in Santa Cruz. So I have to, uh, I have to look that guy up. Tyler Rathert out of Nashville, Tennessee. You sent me a picture or two of uh, your surf session at St. Augustine in Florida. Thank you so much. I love the interactivity of Instagram. I love seeing these pictures. I'm not well-traveled. I'm all ears and eyes, man. I want to know what you guys are doing out there. I love to learn about some regions. I really want to check out Nashville, Tennessee. I might look you up if I'm ever out there, Tyler. Appreciate you listening, dude. Andy Keenan, he's a shaper out of North Cornwall. I mentioned him last pod, I believe. He sent me a really sweet message. You know, we talked about a gentleman, gentleman named Liam who was also in um, the Cornwall region, I believe. And um, his wife has a, a terminal cancer. And he's got some kids who have listened to this very podcast as well and want to check out Santa Cruz. And I'm not kidding you, Liam. When you get out here, send me a note, man. I want to meet your kids. I'd love to meet you as well, too. But Andy said he... Uh, he had a little surf-related gift that he was sending Liam's kids after listening to last week's pods. And he says, that's the power of the podcast. And he loves it. And I like it too. And then finally, Ciaran out of England. What's up with me in the UK, man? I'm into this. I'm, maybe I got to bone up in my premiership so I could talk some soccer. Or rather, footy. Some football. Anyway, Ciaran, I want to say is how you pronounce it. I think you're a younger gentleman. You say that you surf when you can on holiday from school. Um, somewhere in England. He surfs in Ireland and also a little bit in Wales as well, too. I've surfed in neither locations, but I am a quarter Irish. So uh, cheers, mate. Okay, check this out. Anthony Watrado. He covers Major League Baseball, MLB. He writes a column about once or twice a week on Forbes.com, formerly Forbes Magazine. I guess, I don't know if Forbes Magazine is still in print, but um, 
Forbes.com is certainly still in print. Anthony Wittrado, uh, Google his name, W-I-T-R-A-D-O. I bet you didn't want to hear about baseball today, but you are. I'm going to shove it down your throat. I'm a baseball fan. I know we're not talking surf, but as we speak, the Giants and the Dodgers are kicking off the season right now, and I'm excited about that. It's going to be a quick 60-game season. I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. Wittrado writes uh, one, two, three columns a week on Forbes.com. He covers the sport. I have questions for him that are not too inside baseball, kind of more about the process of this season and and um, how MLB plans to take this product to market in uh, 2020. So anyway, if you are not interested, I don't blame you. I suggest you go check out Dirty Water with Chas Smith and Derek Riley. Right now they have a great interview with Britt Merrick, second generation shaper for Channel Islands. But if you want to hang with me, it's going to be a nice, easy conversation with Anthony Wittrado of Forbes.com. Stick around. Enjoy. I'll be back at you to say adios. picture of Alex Rodriguez and he looks old up close. Yeah, he does, man. He does. He's getting, he, he's starting to look bad. No, he looks fine. He, I mean, he looks like a former pro, but he's got like big old man ears. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's getting a little chubby too. Yeah, he's getting chubby, but uh, can't be mad at him with J-Lo. J-Lo looks like she's getting younger. Yeah, she does. You ain't lying about that shit. I think she's wildly overrated though. She doesn't act well. She doesn't sing well. But she just has swagger well. Yeah, she made a good brand for herself early. With what, though? Just a shitty one single, Waiting for Tonight? Was that her only single, right? Oh, she had Jenny from the Block, too. That wasn't that bad, but that was because it was a dilated people's beat. That was, that was way later, though. She was already way famous. Yeah. Anthony, what's your Twitter handle? A Wittrado. A Wittrado. W, it's an A and then a W-I-T-R-A-D-O. Yes, That's sir. your Twitter handle. How many columns a week do you do for Forbes.com? Uh, just it depends. Uh, usually about, usually no more than two, but a couple a week, you know, seven a month or so, something like that. So the Giants and Dodgers are tomorrow night, and they kick yeah. off a 60-game season. But before we go, are there any uniform changes I should know about before the season starts? Because that's usually one of my favorite pieces of news I need to know heading into opening day. The one interesting thing is obviously the Indians are probably going to end up changing their team name. The Braves might also. Um, that is very that is very interesting yeah the brewers made the brewers are making some changes a little some slight changes but nothing to write home about but yeah i think they're the only team padres are they full-time back to brown and orange yet brown and yellow yeah they're going to be predominantly that yeah what's your favorite uniform in baseball i would say giants home dodgers dodgers what both oh yeah you like the grays who else is good? The Braves got some good classics, man. I like the Braves. Yeah. The Braves home jerseys. Absolutely. Yeah. The, those whites are awesome. Those are pretty sweet. Oh, the, and Oakland. I, I, Oakland. Their colors are sick, bro. That's the right. That was the correct answer. Oakland A's home uniforms are the best looking uniforms in baseball. And then I got to say the Dodgers home uniforms are probably the second best, I think. Yeah. What's your favorite uniform in all of sports? Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Home or away? Whites. Yeah, away, baby. Away. And if I may add, like, away, but playing at Buffalo or something where they stay clean. (laughs) (laughs) They're on that CBS feed that, like, all AFC, like, AFC colors pop better for some reason to me. They have cooler uniforms. They do. I think that's, I think that's, it's funny you think like that because I think that about the National League 
And I think that about – so AFC, yes, nationally and the Western Conference in the NBA. So you think in the NL, uniforms look better than in the AL? Yeah, like they pop more. Like it almost, yeah. it almost seems like the stadiums are lit better. Like just, you know, everything about it is a little brighter. That's well said. Yeah, that's interesting. That's funny. All right, so what are the differences in gameplay as we go into a game now for the MLB season? Did I hear that it's DH in both leagues? DH in both leagues now. It's a rule just for this year because of the shortened season. But uh, the assumption is even if it gets taken away in 2021, the new collective bargaining agreement has to be negotiated for the 2022 season. And the strong, very strong belief is that the DH by 2022 will be a full-time thing in both leagues. What's the reasoning this season to do it? Uh, I, I think to help expand rosters, um, to kind of keep pitchers just on the mound and nothing more uh, because there's, it's a condensed season. There's less days off. Uh, I also think they're using it as a little bit of a trial run to see how it goes and basically to convince anybody who may be a naysayer about it that this is a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm, for me personally, I'm kind of indifferent about it. I don't mind it as much as some people seem to hate it. Uh, But uh, I I think that's – this is more of a trial balloon, and I just think they packaged it in the – well, it's a shortened season, so we can do it this year. One thing I like about baseball is the asymmetry of it. It's also what I like about college football, too. There's yeah. just inequities that don't really make sense, but you just work around them. You know what I mean? Park sizes, uh, you know, the foul territory at Oakland compared to, you know, Yankee Stadium. And it doesn't make any damn sense. And pitchers get punished in some parks or in some leagues. I do like that the pitchers still hit in the NL. On the other side, you can keep, like, Miguel Cabrera or someone like that. Yeah. It extends careers, man. There's no, no question about it. Um, had Barry Bonds not had all of his stuff going on, I mean, he could have been a DH for somebody for another he smash. At least, at he least. would have smashed as a DH. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'd have loved that. I mean, he would have just absolutely – he owns that home run record now, but he would have just – he would have obliterated what he's at now. I mean, if, if he yeah. had but, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because, you know, we're, we're starting to seeing these – we're seeing more and more of these nine-figure contracts for superstar offensive players. Uh, we're talking on the day that Mookie Betts signed his extension with the Dodgers, and that thing's worth, over the course of 13 years, $390-plus million, right? So let's say, you know, he, right around 33 or so, he starts to tip off. Um, well, if you don't have to play the field as much, man, that may extend him to 35 where he's, in, where he's still an all-star caliber offensive player. So if you sign a guy like that, you go, oh, man, and you know what? Instead of him falling off at age 33, we may extend him to 35 or 36, and he's still actually pretty productive. Right. Okay, so along with the DH, did I hear that they're, they're going to put a runner on second base <laughs> in OT? Is that, is that true in extras? They are, man, they are. So, again – um, this kind of contradicts some of the other stuff because they have expanded rosters, right? Which means, well, you have more pitchers. Also, this the new pitching rule where you have to face a minimum of three hitters. So you would have less need to end the game quicker. Right. Um, so, you know, they're using it, you know, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth with it. But basically, yeah, the, the extra inning rule is uh, you get a runner on second, uh, to start each half inning for, for each team, and then you go from there. That's wild. Do you think that'll stick? I hope not. Yeah. I, it's just silly to do it. I think don't, don't, don't change the strategy of the game so much in that 
but you know what? After this season, and if it if it gets into play in twenty twenty two, we may become used to it and and not think. Twice. Yeah. But 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 I do think it. it I have to see it first before I'm going to buy it. At, right now, at this point, I'm kind of like, eh, that seems lame. Okay. I tried to listen to a Giants game last night, and I, there was fucking fake crowd noise. Ooh, man. Yeah. That's On the radio. Look, man, you know what? Like, now I get it. Like, a game-winning home run or a late-inning rally or something like that's not going to have the same gotcha as it did last year because there's nobody in the seats. I get that. But you know what? Just just own it, man. Just buy into it and and own it. And let's let's hear the pop of the glove. Let's hear the crack of the bat. Let's hear the guys chatter. You know, mic up the bases. Uh, mic up the umpires. Like let's let's just do that instead of the crowd noise. It's horrible. I'm already watching. Like I already tuned in. You don't need to. You I mean, you're not going to keep me with fake fan noise. Right, yeah. I, I was so distracted. I it bummed me out. I changed the channel, which was sad because I like to fall asleep listening to Giants and. Um, they had the same cheer. Like, I could hear the same t- – it was, like, just the same recording over and over when the Giants yeah. got a hit or, or an out was made. And it was – it just distracted me so much. It pissed me off. And I, like, got off. I was like, well, fuck this. You know, I can't – maybe I'll just sit this, this, this season out if that's the case. Yeah. Hey, do you like a shorter Major League Baseball season? We're going to find out starting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always been a fan for, you know, a handful of years now of them shortening the season from a 100- hundred. 162 I obviously 60 is you don't want to cut 100 games off your schedule because that ruins the essence of what the sport is I think I think the sport is a marathon and that's that's where you get the gratification right you you invest yourself into it and and um you know you 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 can say you know you were there from kind of the start and it's a long journey and uh it makes the playoffs more of a crapshoot so you have teams like the Giants or the Kansas City Royals who win World Series when they're clearly not the best teams in their leagues because they make it through that marathon. They just crossed that finish line. Right. And then they go into an all out sprint and it's just, you know what, who gets hot at the right time. And baseball's cool that way. What we're doing now with this 60 game season uh, is you're just saying, okay, it's a sprint from the start go. And this, it's going to be cool now, like, cause we've never seen it and there's going to be some drama and every game's going to matter a little more. Um, but I think in the long run, shortening the, the season to something like 150 games is probably more realistic and, and probably a better representation of, of what you're going to see. Like right now, it's very – and some people may like this aspect of it. I don't as a baseball fan. But in a 60-game season uh, or basically anything shorter than 100 games, you're going to get teams who are clearly, clearly not anywhere close to the best teams making the postseason. And then once you get in there, you can make a run. Um, I happen to like seeing the best teams in the playoffs and then figuring out the champion from there. I just did the math. It's less than two-fifths of the season. After 60 games last season, I think it was, the San Francisco Giants, I think, were either very close to the playoffs or sniffing it, and they ended up like 20-something games out of first place when it was all said and done. The Washington Nationals were not in the playoffs after 60 games, not even close to the playoffs after 60 games last season. And they end up winning the World Series. So, again, baseball is as long as, as it is for a reason. They play every day. It's not once a week. It's not a couple of times a week. Um, because they're really trying to string out and flesh out who are the best teams overall. Um, and you get that every year. You never, you rarely get a team that really doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs in baseball in the playoffs. This year, though, you might. Yeah. Put your, put, you know, whatever uh, ideals about the sport you have, and how this may go against those, put those to the side for a season 
and just enjoy this because you know what, man, this is probably going to be the most fun baseball season we've ever seen. Uh, maybe not ever seen, but that we've seen in a long time, I think. Um, because everyone has a shot, man. Everyone has a shot. And I think teams are going into it believing that. And those fan bases are going into this believing that. It's a real shame that fans can't be in the stadiums because I think you would have stadiums that are traditionally sparse, you know, places like Detroit or um, Oakland, somewhere like that, where fans don't typically show up. I think those places would be packed because everyone has a legitimate shot right now. Yeah, I do too. It's too bad that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. I kept it much longer than I anticipated. Thank you yeah. for your contributions. You're all good, man. You know, there, there's, a, there's a little bit of a history of guys who play baseball um, definitely having a passion for surfing. Um, some, for some guys, their first passion, uh, um, Barry Zito, as you probably know, is a big-time surfer. Um, as you also know, he's a, a musician as well. But um, – the Padres had a guy who's pretty well known for surfing and it's Kirby Yates. And I, I think probably casual baseball fans don't know that name, but he's, a, he's the Padres closer now. And uh, he was an all-star last year. And it's kind of how he made his name, but uh, he's a Hawaii native and uh, would always go back to the islands uh, during the off seasons. And th there's an interesting story with him because he was basically pitching himself out of baseball uh, a couple of years ago. And he made the decision, okay, you know what? Because what he would do is he would go home in the offseason and he would surf. And then when he, when he ended up with the Padres, obviously he would take time during the season and do it there. Um, and he said, when I go home, I get too distracted by, by you know, I want to surf every day and I don't work on my craft the way I should, my other craft. And so he made the decision to move to Arizona where the Padres uh, have spring training and he moved his family there and he lives there in the offseason now. And he made that move, stopped surfing, uh, and really dedicated himself to pitching, and he became an all-star last season. I'm less impressed with that and more impressed that you realized you're coming on a surf podcast and you did some show prep and came up with a connection between baseball and surfing. I had to. <laughs> I had to give your diehard listeners a little something. <laughs> All right, real quick. Uh, World Series, go. Two teams, name them. Dodgers A's. Oh, that'll be fun. I'm in Tahoe in two weeks. I put Every year I put money on the A's, whatever the odds are. I'm curious what they are right now. I got to look it up. I think they're like 35 to 1 right now or something. So. Yeah. Shades of 1988 when you and I were seven years old. Thank you for joining me. All right, man. I'll talk to you later, Jeff. God bless you, Anthony Wittrado. Adios. Later. I hope you didn't mind my kids screaming in the background of that interview too much. <laughs> Anthony Wittrado, Forbes.com. He's a friend. He's a close friend. He's one of my best friends, to be honest. Um, he's a good writer, and uh, he knows his stuff. And he's a pro. I mean, he tied it back. We were talking baseball, and he brought it all the way back to surfing. And we learned about Kirby Yates, my new favorite closer for the San Diego Padres, even though I'm a Giants fan. Hey, thank you for listening. If you listen this long, you are a person after my own heart. You like surfing and you like baseball. So God bless you for that. Hey, next week, we'll be catching up with Tyler Hopkins of Locust Surfboards out of Santa Cruz. Tyler has some really fun shapes. Check him out at locustsurfboards.com. Um, like I said, he's out of Santa Cruz and he's uh, committed to manufacturing surfboards responsibly. He uses sustainable materials and practices, not unlike Ryan Lynch of Timber Surf Co. So I look forward to learning more about his product and I hope you join me for that. This is the Midlife Surfer Podcast. 
go out there, get some waves, be good to each other. Peace. 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 And I'm on the block. Hello? And I'm on the block. In New York, I'm in Lee Rock. Hiding in my sock. Hiding in my sock. Selling every rock. This every rock, uh, running from the cop, uh, shooting at the ops. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.